Hello, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 3 of Alice in Wonderland. I'm Vic Philipson in a misty, rainy, cold Christiansand, Norway. And I'm Alice Morrison in a clement Uganda. (laughs) Uh, How was Mount Elgon? You've been up and down, right? I have. So Alice versus the volcano. (laughs) And although it was actually touch and go at some moments. No, really? I'm pleased to report that Alice won. Oh. Oh, well, you have to tell what was touch and go. Well, I think it's probably one that I'll have to just give you a bit of a long-winded and start from the beginning. So we we drove up to the volcano and, you know, from a distance, it looks like a big, like you imagine a volcano, like a big mountain with a flat top where obviously Mm -hmm. the lava came out. But when you get there, it's actually more like um, a kind of almost like a range of peaks with a big mountain in between. It's slightly, it's different to what I expected. And the day we started off, so we start off, and we meet our guides, Alex and Kareem, who are delightful Ugandan rangers. Alex has been working, I think, in the park. He's the same age as me. He's been working since he was for 30 years in the park. And in order to become a ranger, first of all, you have to do paramilitary training. So we felt felt in very safe hands, but he set off. So we set off and for some reason I was right behind him at the front at the beginning, Mm -hmm. only at the beginning. So he set off, he's in his Wellington boots, his his kind of ranger camouflage outfit and a great big gun, a rucksack, and um, he's carrying a bundle on his head. I don't know if you've ever seen Africans doing that. Mm -hmm. And he's walking uphill. I've got my day pack. And my, you know, my boots and everything. And we start off. Oh, my, oh my goodness. <laughs> so we We're in the jungle. It's very jungle conditions. You know, extraordinary, lush green. Everything's moist. There are birds everywhere. There are butterflies everywhere. And we start straight up a mm-hmm. red earth slope. So the thing I remember as a child from Uganda, the thing that's so potent to me is this combination of red earth and green, green foliage. And that was exactly what it was like. Mm. We go up and then, and we climb for a kilometre and a half at 10% gradient. So we do, <laughs> we, do, <laughs> we do 150 metres basically straight up. Oof. Oof. Yeah. And? Uh, well, Were you because struggling? I, I was dying. And of course, <laughs> you know, because I'm... Alice the Adventurer. I have to pretend like it's okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, my breast getting because we're also altitude from the beginning. That didn't bother me so much. It was just general unfitness. Let's be frank. That bothered me. But we start off, oh my goodness, that that first section. And I'd gone to the front, and you you know, you're on a narrow path. So where you start off is where you stay. Mm -hmm. And I was just focusing on Alex's Wellington boots and just troughing it up. When we first broke out of the jungle and got to our first kind of resting place, <laughs> I took some photos. Obviously, I'm red as a beetroot. But I was like, oh, this is just going to be so tough. You know, this is the first hour. What's it going to be like? And we're at the beginning. We're, we're on the bottom slopes. So it's a bit of a rude awakening. And I regretted my decision, Vic, to <laughs> start my training with Mount Elgon rather than train pre Mount Elgon. Yes. <laughs> yes. I felt that was an error. <laughs> well, could have been a little short-sighted. How did Stephen do? Did he just float up there? 
Stephen was so annoying. He just, uh, I, I mean, the guy's, the guy's 20 and I mean, he's just one long, thin muscle and he, <laughs> you know, he just floated up and, but he was so sweet, you know, later on in the trip, I did, I questioned everyone about what their highlights were. Mm-hmm. And Stephen, bearing in mind, he's such a young man. He, his highlight was that everyone had worked together as a team and cared for each other. Oh, that's sweet. That's very yeah, nice. honestly, it it was so sweet, and that I think that probably shows his heart. What a mm-hmm. lovely man he is, and that, mm-hmm. what a wonderful man he's going to be, you know, as he mm-hmm. grows through his life. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, he sprang up there. But then we, so did. we we did. So day one was a bit of a shocker, um, and then day two came, and day two we 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 did fifty percent extra distance, which you know, in the scheme of things, Vic, I felt was a bit unfair. <laughs> 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 but day two was fascinating for me because we, this time in the jungle, proper original rainforest, you know, untouched, yes. really unsullied. It, it takes you right back to, to the earth's beginnings and it, it feels very womb-like because you're cocooned in this green light and the foliage is so thick. We saw some monkeys, we did see a lot of birds, but you're, you're kind of, you're, you're going through a very narrow alleyway in in this green, 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 and everything's green. The light's green. Mm-hmm. You know, you feel green by the end of it. And then towards the end of the second day, we broke out onto a different um, Afro-Alpine ecosystem. Apparently that whole area is called Afro-Alpine. So I we broke out. I wondered because at, at the, the photos that I see of Mount Elgon show a kind of arid uh, yes. plateau-looking thing. Exactly. Well, that's extremely well put. So we broke out into what, so the first uh, zone is called the bamboo zone, even though actually, interestingly, the bamboo has been um, not eradicated, but it's been threatened by non-indigenous tree species, which are brought in by pigeon droppings. Oh, all right. I know. I know. Alex, our our ranger, and Kareem, our ranger, was so full of information. I'm I'm like I'm an expert on mm. <laughs> self-proclaimed expert on. So, so there are urban trees that people have planted that the pigeons eat the, the seeds of, and then uh, well, expel them out. Is that where yeah, they come from? They, exactly. They come from other regions, and then they come in and nest, and they bring in the bring in the different vari- variants of trees. And because some trees are really fast growing, they've overtaken the bamboo zone. But that, I mean, there was still a huge amount, you could tell, ancient forest there. Mm-hmm. So as we went out, we broke through into what they call the heather zone. Oh, mm-hmm. that sounds like Norway. And That's what we have is heather, you know, everywhere. Well, I think you would be very interested because this is giant heather. So it grows taller than me. Oh, my. Okay. Yeah. And it's very much um, from this area, from Man Elgon and from the Ruinzoris. Absolutely fascinating. And the, the flowers, are your flowers in, in Norway purple and yes, white? Purple, purple white, yeah. yellow, but mostly purple. And yeah. Most, never higher than so, knee high here. Yeah. And beautiful. I mean, they cover, I presume they cover the mountains and they make the most mm-hmm. gorgeous display in kind of August. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, this, same in Scotland, um, obviously white heather is considered lucky, but the same in Scotland. And then here, it's orange. The, the blossoms oh. are kind of a, a rusty orange color. Oh, wow. That must be and beautiful. They, 
Yeah, it was beautiful. And they do have some white as well, but it was mainly this this rusty orange kind of waving above your head, which made it very difficult for me to think of it as Heather. Hmm. And but we, so how far sorry. apart are these zones? So once you go through the Alpine zone and then there's the Heather zone, what's so the distance the, of these zones? Or or it, I guess it's altitude that measures the uh, extent of the zone, huh? Absolutely correct. It's all altitude related. And so, but I mean, it, it's very abrupt you know you come out of the jungle into the heather zone and as you've described it's slightly arid looking I mean I loved it because suddenly you're in the sky is there mm -hmm. you can see into the distance we, we first started to see the very far distant peaks which did look very 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 far and you know that day two was finished mm -hmm. and we're all feeling I mean day two is always quite difficult I think when you're doing a multi-day because the shock of day one was over, the kind of quite grinding sometimes <laughs> feeling of day two was done. Um, and then we camped in this beautiful place in, in a kind of valley where there was a river and most of us went and bathed in the river. And I just have to say, it, walking with this team of people from South, um, they were the nicest group of people as a whole, I think, that I have ever walked with and I just hmm. want to name check them obviously Nicola mm -hmm. who runs Salve and Dan her partner who fixes all their laptops then there was um, Alfred who's the director of Salve Stephen who you've already met mm -hmm. my roommate my tent mate M who put up who we roomed very well considering we'd never met before and we're in a two-man tent <laughs> then there was lovely David from Northern Ireland and his partner, Helen from Ireland, who both have very exciting jobs. Helen describes her jobs as being the FBI equivalent Ooh. in the UK. I know. Lovely Mike. who kept, We had a lot of Celtic fringe because Mike <laughs> <laughs> was from Wales. Okay. So we... I know. So we were doing very, we felt we were doing very, very well on, on this section. And then we had Heather and Sam, who were just the strongest hikers. They were always, they were the younger ones and the younger ones, the youngest ones, I think. And they were apart from Stephen and they were always up at the front. And Sam's also a very good photographer. So hopefully later on, I'll post some pictures. He took some fantastic ones mm. of a chameleon. So that was our little team. And then, as I say, we had Alex and Kareem and we were really, and we had the porters, by the way, the porters who always passed us cheerfully carrying all our baggage on their heads, on their backs and some live chickens in their, you know, shoes that weren't as good as ours, they they outpaced us, even though they had much heavier loads by miles. <laughs> oh gosh! Well, I know, I yeah. know. They're well. so strong, and there were actually some girls as well, hmm. um, which was very interesting. So, would they so, go ahead of you then and set up camp? So you didn't? Did you have to set up camp when you got there, or? It's luxury hiking. They did go ahead of us and set oh, up camp. I'm ashamed nice. to say, oh, and nice. then. Uh, at night, they lit us a campfire, so we'd all huddle around, because, of course, at night, it was blooming freezing, so we'd all huddle around the campfire. Mm -hmm. um, I, I remember on the night of day two, like, just eating my food, which was, again, delicious, all prepared for us, huddling around the campfire, writing up my notes, and then dreading day three, because this was our longest day, um, and our distances were very hard to calculate, because everybody's Strava and GPS showed something different, but according to Alex our guide, it was 23 kilometers and it was a thousand meters of ascent gained because um, 
that was enough. But in fact, we actually did 1,200 meters of climbing. Wow. And then get get this. This is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> we had to descend 500 meters so we could sleep at a lower altitude. Oh, because it was cold up there. Well, no, because for altitude sickness, oh. because some of the team, oh some of the you know, it's it's normal procedure if you're getting very high that you do sleep lower. Mm-hmm. But we basically lost half of our height gain. <laughs> gain 12, lost five. Yes. Can you imagine my face? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, did you have to regain the, the 700? Yes, we did. The, oh, no. Yes. We even had to came up, come up the same path, which, frankly, there was a, I had a bit of a cob on. I was like, what? Ah. This is so annoying. How was the footing? But, what were you walking on? Okay, that's that's an excellent question. The footing was actually very good. What I found different, again, slightly reminiscent of the joys of the Jordan Trail, mm-hmm. is, again, unlike... I have to congratulate my Amazir brothers and sisters who have discovered the zigzag. No, uh-huh. you're, you go straight up. When there's a steep section, uh-huh. the path basically just goes straight up. So... And the steep sections were often um, a little bit more slippery. So you have to be, it was clay and grass underfoot. Ooh, and okay. clay, because obviously there was a little, you know, we'd, we'd, a path had been trampled. Right. And then when you got, that day three was, was actually, I was, I was kind of dreading it because, you know, I'm panting away, sweating cobs. We've, we've developed a back team, which is Team Kareem, of which I am a proud member and founder, who were just taking our time, you know, stomping up, stopping for lots of photographs. And what was good was that everyone was fine with, with everybody's pace. So, so we just kept going. And at this point, I was watching a lot. Helen always wore very colorful leggings, which was good because it had something for me to focus on as I walked uphill. Um, and we had a little code on Team Kareem, which was if someone said, oh, my shoelace is undone, that meant let's have a break. Let's have a break. <laughs> yeah. Or, oh, what's that I see? That also meant let's have a break. <laughs> well, slippery's not so bad going up. Was it also slippery going down? Yeah, it was. And actually, our last I'll come to our last day of descent, which was a bit of a beast. Mm. But the that third day, um, it really was beautiful. You know, we, we, we went through the heather zone and then we crossed out of the heather zone and went into our final zone, which was totally magnificent. And where we were walking through, and they're not fields, but through, through kind of savannas of waist high flowers. Oh my, that sounds gorgeous. Yeah, the, it was absolutely beautiful, and we could see the peak coming very, very slowly closer. Very, very slowly very closer. Slowly. <laughs> very, very slowly. But I mean, it, it was magnificent, and we, you know, as I say, we saw a chameleon. We we heard we saw birds everywhere. We saw monkeys jumping around in the trees. But really, the main thing for me was the was the flora. I mean, it was quite extraordinary. There's these white, they call them everlasting flowers, which curl mm-hmm. up into a bud at night and then open during the daytime. And there were just millions of them hmm. and everywhere. So, I mean, I have never ex- experienced something like that. It, it, was, it was like being kind of Heidi on acid, you know, dancing <laughs> through these enormous flowers, flowers. towards a very distant peak. <laughs> were and, there also bugs floating through the enormous flowers? Did you, did you have biting insects or? Yes. Okay. This is a... 
Yeah, this is a malaria region and we all took malarone as a precaution um, and kept, I kept completely covered up day and night because I just, you know, septic mosquito bites, the last thing you want. And there were mosquitoes and midges. So it it was definitely, I mean, I have got bites, you know, you can't avoid them. Oh, there's midges, the the, the noceums? Yeah. Oof, yeah, those are the, the little midges, but but I mean not as bad as Scotland in fairness. But oh no, we did I, all... and they can't it's... possibly be as bad as Norway either. I mean, it's it's a yeah. plague here in the summer. You can't be yeah. out in the early evening. It's terrible. No, not as bad as that at all. But that does sound terrific. Um, and so day three, we we did a lot more on the like these open plains with the waist high flowers. Very stunning landscape. Um, please do have a look at the mm-hmm. at my Instagram feed. Really, and I was dreading the day because it was very, it was extremely long. So no getting away from it. Um, but you know, I think it was my best day because there was just so much to see and mm-hmm. to experience. And and the the camaraderie of the team definitely lifted everybody's spirits all the time. We were just having a laugh. Mm-hmm. And also, to be honest, when it got a bit tough, I was thinking, yeah. This might be a little bit tough, but think about what those kids themselves have mm. gone through yes. to get themselves yeah, yeah, off to the get streets, to this point. Mm-hmm. Off, and I learned more about the children from self as well, which I'll write up in the blog. But I mean, mm. for example, they were telling me that the drug of choice on the streets is actually um, fuel for aeroplanes, aeronautical fuel, oh, which they huff it they, or? The, yeah, the children sniff it like glue because it's very cheap and it also Oof. stops you feeling hungry. Okay. So as I was hauling my, my overweight body up this blooming volcano, I was thinking, you have nothing to moan about. It doesn't always help, <laughs> but it does a bit. No, 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 no. <laughs> it does a bit. Um, and then, of course, the summit day. Now, summit day is always a very different kind of day for me because summit it's all goal, no photos, you know, just focus, focus, focus. So on summer day, I'm always quite, yeah, I guess I'm focused because, you, you know, you've got one thing to do, one right. thing. And what is that one thing, Vic? Walk. Climb. Exactly. Walk, climb and summit. So we all set off and this was again going to be a long day. It was nine kilometers up and nine kilometers down. <laughs> the first two kilometers were that 500 meters that I mentioned before. <laughs> so... Very annoying, but still we went up. Um, and a very exciting day because from quite early on, you know, you can you can see where the peak is. And there were some beautiful things. We passed a lake, a, sw- a small lake, which um, which the Africans, the Ugandans called Sarah's Lake, which is, mm-hmm. she was the sister of the kind of chief of the region. And the Europeans call Jackson's Pond because mm. he was the British man that discovered it. And then and, and it had a perfect reflection. And apparently it's used now by um, Ugandan women from all over because the tribes are quite dispersed. So even as far as Kenya, they walk to this lake if they want children and they do rituals within the lake, bathe within mm. the lake, you know, to ask if they're having trouble conceiving. Mm-hmm. And that still goes on. And then we started climbing proper and... It was, I mean, it didn't look like Scotland, but it was vaguely reminiscent of it. And you've got these very um, noticeable, very different looking trees there, which are called giant, let me get this right, giant ground sills. And Mm -hmm. they're straight up and often have two arms or one arms with very big leaves on them. 
and they just look prehistoric and they're dotted around the landscape. So you've got, imagine a big peak, kind of golden savanna grass, these white flowers everywhere, yellow flowers everywhere, you know, purple wild mint everywhere, the smell of sage, wild sage as well. And then you've got these giant groundsills kind of poking up like prehistoric tusks mm -hmm. or trees. So very dramatic landscape. We got to our final plateau um, and that looks down over towards Kenya and you can see salt lakes, little salt lake ponds mm -hmm. in the distance. And it's again, very African, as you imagine Africa, a flat savanna with, with trees, acacia trees and so on. Um, and that's where the elephants roam. Oh, I see. So you looked down yes. into the, okay. We did look down. Please ask me the question, Vic. Did you see an elephant? No, we didn't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't. I, we okay. all sat there. We all sat there on the ledge, like for ages, legs hanging. Well, it's also an excuse for rest, frankly, for the, sure. for the for us. But we all sat there for ages, scouring the distance. In fact, Sam even put he has a good camera, and he mm -hmm. even put his his big lens on. But no, we didn't no. see any. But that is where they are. I see. Here's a question: Why is your team leader carrying a big gun? Um. Well, he, the, the against park animals or against humans? Well, both. both. Because as a as a park ranger, um, his job is is to lead hikes for tourists, for hikers. Mm -hmm. But the other part of his job is also to guard against poachers. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, should any large animal attack, I mean, almost unlikely. Of course, he has a gun. But the poachers are active in the region, and we'd come across land that had been burnt, mm -hmm. set fire to. And when I asked why, what the poachers do is they set fire to the land. So the new Drive green the grass. Out. Mm -hmm. Well, no, that's oh, no, what it I pulled. thought. It, 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 no, okay. The green grass attracts the animals. Perfect. Exactly right. right. Mm -hmm. So the green grass grows up and the, the antelope come or the animals come and then they get um, shot. So mm -hmm. he, he goes out and patrol regularly after poachers. And he says what happens is if they catch them once, because they're from the local community, mm -hmm. So, or they sometimes come from Kenya, but what he does is he gives them a warning. He's mm -hmm. like, because he, you know, he, he himself is from the local community, of course. Sure. And one of their big jobs is to bring people on side and to, mm -hmm. you know, it's about winning hearts and minds, not punishing. Mm -hmm. So he says, if you catch them once, you, you give them a warning, you explain everything, you say, you know, this, if you do it again, you're done. And then if you catch them twice, take them off and they get prosecuted. Oh, gosh. Well... What, what, what animals would there have been of danger to you up there? I don't think there would. I mean, potentially elephants, but there I weren't. There that weren't. would be the main ones, yeah. yeah um, okay. And then the rest of things like gazelles, monkeys, etc., bugs, mm -hmm. snakes, oh. but you're not going to shoot a snake. Um, so there we were, no elephants, and then we got to we then we did the last push for the summit, which was okay which was actually very satisfying. It's one of the best summits I've done because it was right on the edge of a ridge. Mm -hmm. So at the summit, you were right on the edge of the mountain. So you got this fantastic 360 view. Mm -hmm. And what was rather lovely, and again, as I say, because I often do these things alone or just with one person, it was just so nice to be part of this larger team and to be doing it for a reason. And we got to the summit and Nicola, bless her, well, and the porters had carried a cake 
to celebrate <laughs> Sal's 15th birthday wow. all the way up to the summit. So we sang happy birthday, yeah. blew out the candles and had the cake. And what was also a very lovely part of the, the walk was that um, a few of the younger porters, you know, mm -hmm. the kind of teenagers had come with us because they wanted to summit. So I it was see. their day off. It was actually their day off because we were staying in camp for two days, mm -hmm. but they wanted to get to the top. So we had this group of about, I'd say, 10 porters with us who, who wanted to go up, including Alex's son, Shadrach, um, a teenage boy. And he's just doing his exams and he wants to be a doctor and the most lovely oh. boy. Oh. And they wanted to, and then two, the two girls who were doing the cooking and also helping with the portering. And so they were all so excited. So we're all together taking us, you know, you know what it's like on top of a summit, taking our selfies, um, doing our catalogue poses, but also eating cake. <laughs> and we, so we ate, we ate cake on the summit and then took half of it back down for the rest of the porters in camp. And really that was, that was the climax of the journey. And it was such a happy, joyful moment. I mean, summiting any moment, any mountain, even if you're exhausted, is a happy, joyful moment. Mm -hmm. But, you know, seeing this fantastic view and this this kind of prehistoric landscape, um, these amazing trees and flowers everywhere and this lovely, happy team. We're all in our salve T-shirts, all celebrating the work they do and, you know, hoping to raise a bit of money for the children. So it, it was really a very, 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 very nice time. <laughs> fantastic it yeah. sounds it sounds beautiful it sounds wonderful it was and the descent on that day was only nine kilometers so it wasn't too bad and then on the last day of the hike oh my goodness that was a really rough descent oh god it it was very very steep so and at it was summit, very, you're, very you're four thousand meters at summit right yeah four thousand three hundred and twenty one four three two one not like you were counting but yes. Yeah, well, believe you me, I was counting every <laughs> single meter. Um, but actually what I found was as, as we went through the days, my fitness improved well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's the good thing about having a little layer of endurance. It does, does come back. I was still panting like a demon on the Alps, but I was very skippy on the downs, which was satisfying. <laughs> So, yeah. And then the very last day we, we had a very, you know, a, we descended a huge, I can't even remember. I think it was over 2000 meters. Okay. I mean, we did a huge descent. Um, some of the path was, you know, not too bad in terms of steepness. Some of it actually they'd put in ladders down a cliff, mm -hmm. which were, you know, if you, if you, if you've got one of our members, David has a, a, a genuine fear of, 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 looking down in heights you know when you look down straightly in front of you but he I mean he did the ladders like a hero but they were a nightmare for him um so we went down these ladders and and then the last part we had lunch in a in a local woman's um shamban hut and she made this lovely food matoke um rice beef stew and beans mm -hmm. um and all the kids were outside watching us with interest and the cows were peering at us. Everyone's like, oh, look at the Mzungus, which is what they call white people here. <laughs> and then the last part, <laughs> I think this is inevitable on any hike. Tell me if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the last three hours, which were just straight down through through small farms, banana plantations, um, coffee bushes, lots of lots and lots of people passing us quite happily as we were all groaning about going down and those those 
that last day is always a bit of like the last two or three hours are just always a bit miserable. Not miserable, but you're like, oh, I just want to get there now. And hot. <laughs> and that was and the other thing, Push. You've come from high where you're cool high. and then you go mm -hmm. back down into, ugh. Did you have to pack in your own water or are there water sources up there that you can... There, there are lots of streams and rivers. It's, it's a very, it's a, a lovely area. It's very rich in water, but um, I would, I would certainly have felt comfortable drinking from them in terms of cleanliness, because after a certain area, there are no more um, flocks or animal, you know, cattle or sheep and mm -hmm. humans to, to mm -hmm. pollute them. However, we were with. Um, a, a marvelous in fact i forgot to mention her in my original team go through erin who was who runs a charity out there for sanitation and water supplies and yes. i said to her she's obviously an expert would you drink it she went no um so we we did refill all of our water but we used uh water purification tablets sure mm -hmm. so and then we um let's see yeah we used water purification and then the other interesting difference for me obviously between uh, thinking always about Morocco a little bit was that uh, we cooked everything on wood that oh. they didn't take well because the porters are carrying everything I guess they sure. didn't want to carry gas canisters um, so everything was cooked on wood and the wood is you're allowed to use dead wood obviously you're not allowed to chop down living down trees tree. right yeah but there is a lot of dead wood in the forest I mean it is and there aren't the other gorgeous thing about this hike is there are, we met two other people, an Iranian girl and her boyfriend, that was it, who were visitors like us. Oh, so, so it's fairly un, untrampled, un, it's unpopulated. It's really, un, yeah. Un, and uh, I mean... Untouristed. Exactly, which, I mean, let's be honest, is a glory. I mean, it really is. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's an amazing... It, it's like, I mean, I would say Uganda is like the Garden of Eden. It's... Mm. You know, it's ex extraordinary nature, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed the hike. I mean, I didn't enjoy every minute, but <laughs> <laughs> not every minute. Um, well, that would be but, in stark contrast to last year when you were in Petra. Yes, gosh, yes, almost at this time. Over, yes, overwhelmed with people, but you you snuck around on that one, so. Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah, I mean. Door. Exactly. Coming in the back door was also a good thing. I mean, it's not that I don't, you know, I am, I am also a traveler tourist, so right. I can hardly hate myself, but there's no doubt about it. It is a privilege to have these amazing places more or less to yourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, it does make a difference. You do feel you have a different feeling and you connect to them in a different way. You know, it's, you go some places now and, and people are lining up to take their yeah, of course. I mean, I understand it to take their Instagram shots and their selfies. And, you know, magazines do articles about best, in, you know, five best Instagrammable, pla Instagrammable places in Marrakesh. Yeah. But I mean, that is not personally why I want to do stuff. And so it's really refreshing and lovely to just do things for the doing of them. Yeah, I know. I know. That's the beauty about being here because, you know, we have some places like Pulpit Rock in Stavanger where people yeah. literally stand in a, a, a line to start. They have to space out the people going up. There are so many people going up in the summer. Oh. So, so, so to do it oh. in the off season when nobody's there is pretty fantastic. I've done that. Yeah. 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 That's lovely. Yeah. yeah. And you do, don't you think you feel different about it? Yeah. Because you're not having to contend with other people. 
<laughs> well, you know, this. I can't remember who said hell is other people. Somebody did. <laughs> yeah, someone did. Someone did. I mean, it's not always true, but I. But there is, yeah, there is definitely a pleasure in being on, you know, a magnificent mountain mm-hmm. and being able to appreciate that and not have to to dodge around people. So yeah, a magnificent so you, climb. Highly you recommended. Came down the last bit. Then did yeah. you all just split up and go your own ways, or did you have a night uh, at? Uh, no, we no? we had a lovely thing. So when you climb Mount Elgon, and this is so charming, um, the National Parks Authority and the Ugandan Wildlife—I'll oh, say it wrong—but the Ugandan Wildlife Authority, they give you a, a ceremony and a certificate. Oh, that's nice. Do you know it was really nice? And Alex, our guide, did it brilliantly because he. You know, he's he's a very um, impressive man. And he made a little speech to each of us and shook our hand. And the representative of the Ugandan Wildlife Authority, the chief, handed us our certificates. And it was really extremely nice. And I've got my certificate. I was very, very pleased and proud. <laughs> That's really nice. It was. So you got certificates I mean, and then, then you and then but you had a that's a long trip in there again, right? Oh yeah, then we had the bus ride out. I think least said, soonest mended. Oh really? Well, there were three of us in the front. Unfortunately, I was with lovely, tiny, slim Erin, um, and she's great. She has so much information about Uganda because she's working there on these water projects, you know. Mm-hmm. So she she was just chatting away, and that made it go quickly. But my feet were directly above the engine, mm-hmm. so I- oh hot air blasting mm-hmm. on very swollen feet my hiking boots have got mesh on the top and i was actually imagining like my swollen flesh popping through the mesh oh, God. Ow. oh no <laughs> so yes that was that was the least pleasant part and then we all had a celebratory dinner together and you know again the nice thing about doing things in a group is you've got these shared experiences which you can mm-hmm. talk through and you know everyone's got their little stories to bring and it, it it was a beautiful ending it felt like a very it felt like a very complete and satisfying experience cool and now where are you are you back in uh no North i'm North? i'm in the lake bunyoni um, and so I'm overlooking this beautiful lake, which has 29 islands in it. Um, oh. It's one of the deepest lakes in Uganda. And I'm staying in this incredible lodge. So you, ha- you get here by boat. This is my relaxation day, although, of course, I will be working big. Okay, yes, um, of course. Yes. Yeah, but this, and so I'm overlooking the lake, and the, there's an incredible amount of bird life. Birds, I don't know if you can hear them in the background. They I, keep I zooming have. past me. Mm-hmm. Yep, I've seen a cinnamon-breasted bee-eater and Uganda's national bird, which is called the crested crane, which is like a beautiful black, white, and gray stork-like or heron-like bird with mm-hmm. a, a giant yellow crown on it. Crested crane, it's, it's lovely, and it's it flies low over the lake. So I've seen quite a few of those. And my the little place I'm staying in is so gorgeous. Each person, so I have my own um, bamboo and grass globe, huts made entirely mm-hmm. of bamboo and grass, mm-hmm. which is open onto the lake. And I have a composting toilet and a natural shower and everything. There's no door. So from my bed, 
I'm looking straight, straight out over my balcony onto the lake. Wow. Sounds lovely. Absolutely magical. It is absolutely magical. And I'm intending to enjoy it, you know, to the full and to relax a little bit. Although I have some writing to do, but to and relax your and try and feet enjoy. unswell. Oh God, my feet are and they're just honestly I I mean they look like little elephants' feet is tragic. <laughs> well, Alice, we have surpassed the magic thirty minute What? Time. We have gone over. <laughs> but it was Oh my goodness. What a wonderful description of what sounds to have been a really, really, really fun um, yeah. trek. It was. And could I ask, we'll put the, we'll put the um, link in the notes, but honestly, everyone, the work that Salve do, if you listen to the last podcast, getting street children off the streets, away from sniffing aircraft fuel mm -hmm. into school and living really productive lives, you know, going on to proper jobs, going on to be able to have families of their own and care for them. I, I can't say how strongly any small donation would be welcomed honestly anything the price of a starbucks coffee if you could you know maybe not drink one for a day or two days and put that money in and mm -hmm. just donate it because what salve do that i love the money is directly to an organization that is primarily ugandan mm -hmm. and there's no big four by fours there's no big salaries there's just people really these fantastic ugandan social workers working so hard with these children every day mm -hmm. you know they'll they talk to them every it, this is not a short process they they stand in in, in you know as secondary parents trying to get them back into their families back into extended family members back into school and studying and i have very rarely in my life been so impressed as i have been by nicola of course the founder and her amazing team and the children I mean, you know, they're achieving more than I have, who's had the most privileged and marvelous upbringing with loving parents and great education. And these kids are are doing it, you know, with the most terrible start in life. So yeah. extremely impressive. And if you can, if you enjoy the podcast, rather than asking for some money for me and Vic, oh, sorry, Vic, on oh, Patreon, okay. sorry, Vic, I'm including <laughs> you. Please do think about donation. Okay. <laughs> Well, it is a noble cause. and uh, It is. Yeah. So we will speak next week. Uh, in two weeks. In two weeks. In, in two, two weeks. weeks. In two weeks. We will. We will speak. I'll miss you until then, Vic. Okay. Have fun down there. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.